100,000 years ago, there were people who stayed by the campfire and people who wandered. I'm pretty sure I'm a direct descendant of the wandering type. It's just who I am. Welcome, welcome, Wanderers. I'm Dean. I'll be your guide as we trek through the world of Jack Reacher. Where Reacher says nothing, I'll put in my two cents. My biggest focus will be on the show. Now, I've read the books and watched the movies. Where it comes into play, I'll talk about those pieces, but my eye will be focused mainly on the show Reacher. Now, I'd like to introduce to you my co-host, non-silent partner and compass for our ongoing journey, my wife, Tiara. Hi, Tiara. Hello. I'm Tiara. I love the TV show, but I'm a voracious reader, and I'm going to focus more on the differences and updates from the books. I'll talk about the changes that are really good and others that are maybe not so great, but it will all be from love for the genre, books, movies, and now the TV series. All right. If you haven't heard our pilot episode, we cover the who, what, and why of our show here. But in a nutshell, 25 years ago, James Dover Grant going by the pseudonym Lee Child, decided to create one of the most fascinating and enduring fictional characters. A character who is not only a brilliant investigator, but also a gifted fighter and an expert marksman. Jack Nunn Reacher. Ah, so just a little bit uh, of uh, personal stuff here. Uh, as I said before, I'm Dean. I've been podcasting for a few years now. I run the Podskier Podcast Network, uh, as well as hosting the Podskier Podcast, the How Are You Now Podcast, Toughest Podcast in Letterkenny, Disputed Podcast, and I also produce and edit the Boondocks Podcast. I love pop culture and podcasting helps me share the love of these things that bring me joy. So I hope what we're planning on giving you here interests you and makes you smile. Tiara? I'm Tiara. I co-host both the How Are You Now podcast and the Boondocks podcast. I joke that Dean does most of the work and I'm just the voice talent, but I also tend to have a different perspective on things as an autistic adult. Bottom line is this is going to be an adventure and we're very lucky to have you along for the wander. Yes, we are. So if you're ready, let's get into Reacher, season one, episode one. Welcome to Margrave. One second. Before we start, I would like to remind anybody out there who would like to follow along with the books that episode one is chapters one through the beginning of chapter 10. Right. Uh, and yeah, there are some changes and yes. TR will note those as we go along. So we start off midnight, Margrave, Georgia, quiet little town just outside of Atlanta. Over the sounds of the night, insects, the sounds of silent shots ring out, leaving two bodies hiding near a highway overpass. Later that morning, with the heavy rain coming down, a bus stops at a crossroad, allowing a single passenger to exit. Large man begins to walk down the road that intersected with the highway. Undeterred, the man makes it to the front doors of the Margrave Diner. As he gets there, a scene plays out before him that he finds just a little bit concerning. A man briskly exits the diner, dragging along what appears to be his wife or girlfriend, uh, and berating her for tipping too much. Without saying a word, the traveler stops his progress into the diner and watches the scene take place. The man looks at the traveler initially and tries to act tough. But after reassess reassessing the situation uh, and realizing how imposing this traveler is, he relents and tells the traveler it won't happen again. And then the traveler just heads inside. In the books, there's a lot of talk about how large and imposing Reacher is. This scene is entirely for the TV show, but it is meant to show how intimidating he is without saying a word. Without making it feel forced or a trope, the show did a really good job with this particular change. It did. It was, a, it was, it was perfectly played out and one of the big selling things right off the bat for yep. me with this show. So anyway, as the traveler uh, begins working on the peach pie that he's ordered and the coffee, uh, he sees two police cruisers quickly pull up to the diner. Uh, he sizes up the situation and realizes, well, they're coming for me. So he places a $10 bill under his pie plate, puts his hands palm down on the table, and the officers come in, place him under arrest for murder. 
Now, in the book, Reacher is eating um, an entire meal. He's been at the diner for a while. So he sees the cops coming up and he decides to finish his coffee because he knows what's about to happen. The whole pie thing is a trope for the TV show, but it's not as mm, uncharming as it sounds. Right. So the other difference in this scene is the size of the police presence. In the book, there are four cops that come after uh, after Reacher. Um, In the show, they only have two. This is because, uh, as we'll see in um, a future scene, the Margrave uh, police force is only five people, whereas in the book, there was a larger police force in that town. Very true. So restrained... At the wrist by zip ties, the traveler is brought in inside by the officers who arrested him. He is processed in by a woman in her early 30s, all while the chief, a man in his 50s, grills Jack about, why are you in my town? <laughs> now, in the book, Roscoe, who is the processing officer, is brunette and voluptuous. Um, in the show, she's blonde, petite, very small structure. Uh, one of the issues that I've had with several of the Reacher books is the way um, the commentary about women's looks um, with Roscoe in particular in the book, there was a lot of emphasis on her chest. So having Roscoe not be a typical, beautiful woman makes her feel more like a real person in the show instead of a sexy lamp. If you don't know what uh, what I mean by a sexy lamp or what the sexy lamp test is, it's a great way to evaluate movies and TV shows for their female representations. Can the character be replaced by a sexy lamp without changing the story, like in Christmas Story? <laughs> in addition to that change in her presentation, Roscoe has a much bigger part in the beginning of the show than she does in the book. Uh, this change also helps make the character and the relationship that will form more realistic. Uh, the other part of this scene when they are uh, grilling him and pulling things like a passport out of his pocket and a World War II medal. Uh, those items were completely in, in, uh, invented for the TV show. Um, we decided to look up why that change was made because in the beginning uh, or in the early books, it's uh, it's constantly mentioned that he doesn't have any personal items, no ID, no nothing. So uh, we decided to go and find out why this change happened. And we realized that Child decided that he would have to start adding a passport in Jack's belongings after 9-11. Before that, you didn't necessarily have to have a passport to leave the country. Um, Whereas after, that was a big change. And Reacher would have to adapt if he was going to be able to do what he does. Uh, So all of the books post that time include a passport. So Reacher can easily travel all over the world. Uh, and the other thing is the zip ties, 100% for the show. Very true. Yeah, also, yeah, the the one thing that is that is a constant for him to be traveling with is his fold up toothbrush, and yes. they did include that. Yes. <laughs> so I was I was good. Little I was details happy to see matter. That. That details <laughs> details definitely matter. Another thing uh, that I will point out about Roscoe here is that she, right off the bat she signifies that she is a presence. Yes. Uh, she she says. Come over here, sir. I'm not asking. I'm telling. And it's just that's that's her first instance that you see her on the screen. And I and I think that's that is, that part of her very much tells who she's going to be going forward. Right. I I love that scene in particular because you've got the the cop who's trying to be tough with the shotgun, who's like, "Move your ass" to make him oh, like yeah. move faster. And mm. Reacher just stops and looks at him. Yeah. And she realizes <laughs> this dude is not going to comply by you being an asshole to him. Just be firm and, you know, pleasant, and he will probably do what I want. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. She was not mean to him, and therefore he was like, okay, I'll talk to you. And from there, uh, we we see this black man uh, come out, the chief detective, uh, to instruct them to take Jack to the conference room for interrogation. In the conference room, the black officer identifies himself as Chief Detective Oscar Finley. Uh, Reacher, as you'll hear often, Says nothing. Uh, that is a common phrase in the book. If you look up merch for Jack Reacher, you will find Reacher says nothing, Reacher says nothing on, on many a T-shirt. So, yes, this is this is a common trope for Jack. <laughs> he is the uh, very much the strong silent type in every way, shape and form. Uh, Finley uh, lays out the entire scenario for the murder of the body that they found and suggests that Jack lawyer up. Uh, Reacher breaks his silence, uh, telling Finley that he does not need a lawyer because he did not murder anyone. Uh, in the meantime, the officer who processed Jack 
Roscoe, uh, couldn't find any information uh, online at all about Jack. No online profile, no ownership of any property or anything like that. I like this update from the book because there was no online presence uh, in 1997. What? There was no social media. Like the things that you might be able to find might have include more like chat rooms that someone frequents or like I honestly can't even remember other ways that we he would have had he could have at the at the most an Amer- an AOL account right right a free AOL account <laughs> or one that costs you know five dollars a month right. for five hundred hours <laughs> with the CD ROM exactly <laughs> uh let's see where was I um so the internet was still in its early days before social media uh the change speeds up the story a little as the amount of time needed to look into all of the things back then was a lot. So in this case, instead of spending hours searching for any information on what he's done, she immediately, Roscoe immediately knows, well, he doesn't own any property. He's not on social media. He's like the easy things that now we take for granted that you can look up, like normal people can look up um, and police. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They didn't have that kind of access back then. So it's a good change, a nice update that works really well. Yeah. Because of Reacher's history... Uh, with his military history, Finley makes the argument that he's the ideal person to have done this murder. Uh, Reacher agrees, but corrects Finley's idea of who did the murder due to the way things went down. One person obviously was a skilled shooter. Uh, Another one who kicked the crap out of the the corpse was a psycho. And a third person uh, who was just ready to get out of there is the one who covered up the body. Uh, Finley realizing that Reacher may just be right in this instance, gets a little nervous. Some anxiety takes him over and his knee starts bouncing and Reacher calls him out on it. So this is one change where it seems really minor, but it kind of stuck out to me just because of uh, in the story. It's very obvious in the book that um, that Finley is an ex-smoker, but probably a recent ex-smoker. He t- pats his pockets on his coat, hmm. uh, which anyone who has smoked for any amount of time, you you know what that signals. Um, in this case, they made it a lot more subtle with just the water kind of moving a little. And for me, that just made it feel a little more forced. Like they were trying to make it subtle so that people wouldn't notice it. But for me, it just it was a little too a little too subtle. Hmm. So um, additionally, the phone number that they found in the shoe was handled differently in the book where Jack is the one who suggests uh, calling the number instead of waiting for a warrant. This leads to an entire chapter about calling the number and bluffing their way through figuring out who it belonged to. Right. Uh, yeah, And and it's a. Uh it's a whole thing with Jack right at that point where he's, he's like, he's, he's kind of resigned to the fact that he's not going to get anywhere with this because of that. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, anyway, Finley frustrated at this process at this point, throws Reacher back into his holding cell. Uh, Reacher goes in, lays down and, uh, reflects back. He has a, a bit of a flashback memory from back to when he was 12, um, uh, landing in a, a, a new, duty station where his father was a, a, a Marine Corps person. I don't remember his rank. Uh, but Captain. Yeah, I, I believe he was that, one, like, you know Reacher that sounds about right. reached <laughs> yeah. one rank above his dad. Yeah, so uh, they had moved into a new place uh, and they're moving in. He uh, <laughs> he's, he's already in trouble because he's caught a box on fire. His mother has just said, you know, get out of here, go find the other kids. He and Joe, his brother, take off. Uh, and because he is a trouble magnet, he got into a fight with some new kids in this new place that they're moving into, uh, at, at come waking up from this flashback, he spots Roscoe drinking a cup of coffee over by the coffee machine and gestures to her that he'd like also like some, she obliges providing him with a no nonsense cup of black coffee. Uh, she informs him that his prints haven't turned anything up. Uh, and if they had, it, he, you know, it, that would have sig- signaled that he had, he would have been a bad guy. Uh, nothing's turned up yet. But, uh, so anyway, Finley comes out at that point and hollers at Roscoe that they got a hit on the phone number that they found in the shoe and they have to go check it out. So from there, they arrive at the house, Finley and Roscoe, at the house of Paul Hubble, the owner of the phone number that they found in the body. Finley lets Paul know that they're there to talk to him 
about a murder uh, and how his phone number was found on the shoe in the shoe of the victim. Paul uh, is listening, but he looks outside and sees a dark sedan hanging out in front of his house and his face gets very grave and immediately admits to the crime. Uh, Finley is dubious about this confession just because of the way Hubble looks. He's a very wealthy man, uh, does not look like somebody who would be a killer, uh, and presents him with the manner of death that didn't actually happen, and Paul admits to it. Finley then has to place him under arrest. As I mentioned before, in the book, this process was much different and drawn out much longer. The interrogation takes place at the police station, and there's a whole 40 minutes of recorded silence while Hubble decides what to do before he confesses to murder. There is no mysterious car watching him. Right. Uh, Finley and Roscoe process then Hubble at, uh, at the police station, uh, put him in a holding cell with Reacher. Uh, you could see Hub- Hubble's, uh, he sees Reacher, and he's got a bit of uh, hesitance about going in there, but uh, it makes him get in there. Finley then tells Jack to come with him. Uh, Reacher declines until he says, you got to take these zip ties off. And Finley then asks for the box cutters. Reacher says, you know, that's okay. I've got it. Using his only, his, his own strength, he just breaks the zip ties. He picks him up and asks him, you guys recycle? I love this part. While I, I, I thought the, the zip ties themselves were a little hokey. I mm. love this part because it's literally like, yeah, I kept these on the whole time, but I could have broken them at any time. Like I, I did that so easy. Just to, like I'm showing you right now. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you you guys think you know who I am, but I'm showing you. This is, I, I'm allowing you. I'm yes. allowing this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's how it felt. So anyway, uh, Finley uh, walks Reacher outside of the police office and breaks down the entirety of what's happened with Hubble and his confession. Reacher, is, at this point, here's the confession. He's ready to leave when Finley basically tells him that he knows that it was a bullshit confession, and he also thinks that Reacher isn't telling him everything. Reacher tells him that Officer Stevenson definitely knows something because the way he and Hubble looked at each other for a whole two Mississippis. <laughs> uh, Finley is perturbed at how confident Jack is in his theories. Reacher then explains how confident he is by deducing Finley's history going from Boston to Margrave and including that he went to Harvard, is divorced or widowed, uh, and is recently a former smoker Finley uh, takes all this in, gets extremely irked, spins around, takes Reacher back inside. So this is an interesting scene uh, because like Sherlock Holmes, Reacher breaks down everything he's figured out about Finley and refers to him as the black Sherlock Holmes. Like it's a very self-aware moment in this TV show where they're like, yes, we know. We know this is very much like this, but... Um, the other thing you mentioned about uh, Reacher commenting about the uh, about him being divorced. Mm. Yeah, we don't know. We don't actually know. He never confirms it. Right. He just talks about that he has someone or he had someone and her name was Sharon. Right. So I think that's important because, again, we at least not in this episode, we really don't know yet. Very true. So. Uh, so when. um Finley brings Reacher back inside. He also beckons Stevenson into his office uh, and begins asking Stevenson what he knows. And turns out that the night before, Stevenson was at a party with Paul and his wife, Charlie, uh, and were there until he took them home at 2 o'clock in the morning. So he knows he couldn't have done anything to anyone. So at that point, Finley decides that he's going to use Jack to find out what Hubble knows by sending him to the local jail and waiting there until Monday. Jack, of course, is pissed because he knows he didn't do it. He knows Finley knows he didn't do it. And he's now having to go be a cop He's for Finley inside. So anyway, they shackle both of them up, put them on a bus, head them off to the Warburton jail. Uh, that evening, they arrive at Warburton and are greeted by an officer, Spivey. Spivey processes them into the jail. He even goes so far as to attempt a strip search like you see in so many prison films. Uh, Reacher, though, is having none of this and threatens Spivey just to check off the box on the clipboard before he seriously injures him. (laughs) Spivey does so and then takes them both to a cell. Now, Spivey in the TV show is an amalgamation of multiple characters. Uh, When the in the book, there is a whole elaborate 
uh, end of it's the end of the night and the shift is about to change and the the whole scheme that's about to happen takes so much more than what we get in this. In this, we get Spivey, the singular person doing this thing. Right. And in the book, he was the assistant warden. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the name was. Anyway. Right. And there's also no strip search. Right. The strip search was completely. <laughs> yeah, that was done. And I think that was done, as I said, as, you know, as you see with so many prison films, you know, bend, bend over and spread them. Mm-hmm. This is this kind of turns that on its head. So I, I very much enjoyed that. So the humor in this is uh, for those little pieces that they have to have, I think is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next morning, their cell uh, and there uh, opens up automatically. Buzz. Boom. Reacher hops down from his bunk take a look and he realizes that they're in there with the lifers in the book jack finds out from an old prisoner who was there cleaning that they're in with the lifers the two were not given uniforms and so this prisoner thinks it's hilarious that they were there in their street clothes um and finds out basically like hey you guys are definitely not where you're supposed to be and this is going to be fun for me to watch <laughs> yeah just an old man just him giggling the entire this time. is the fun thing I've ever seen, and right. I've been here since God. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, this scene, we, so in this scene this morning, uh, we find out just exactly how brutal of a character Jack Reacher is. Four black inmates enter their cell, and the main guy immediately starts to try to turn Hubble out. He takes his shoes, he takes his glasses, and just as about he's tried to you know go the rest of the way, Reacher hops down. And gives the guy a headbutt, three elbow strikes, and takes him out in no time flat. Uh, he tells the other three to haul their unconscious friend away, and that's it. <laughs> so I'm not going to dissect all the fights because this show is a lot of fights. This <laughs> book is a lot of fights over and over and again. They're going to be different because of the times and the constraints of television. But I love one thing that they didn't do that was included in the books. I love how they didn't show Reacher contemplating letting whatever happens to Hubble happen. Uh, In the book, he wrestles with the idea, realizing that he would be next if he didn't step in. It makes him seem harmless or heartless to me. In the TV show, it's more like he wants to be heartless, but he can't bring let himself do it. Right. He's he's definitely got empathy yeah (laughs) without a doubt um so from there reacher and hubble head to the yard uh where hubble begins telling reacher how he's in huge trouble because of what he's being forced to do under the threat of uh, the threat of the lives of his family and himself um very bad stuff is is he's been told um reacher is watching around the yard as he sees some white nationalist prisoners starting to eyeball him he uh he at that point decides, you know, I'm going to go hit the head. And in the book, there was no prison yard scene. They just go directly from their cells to the washroom. Right. And so once in the washroom, Reacher grabs a washcloth, wets it, starts running over the back of his neck as he waits for what he knows is about to happen. Just then, five white nationalist prisoners enter the room. Reacher warns them that they should leave. They don't. And he beats the crap out of all of them in an extremely brutal fashion. Gouges one guy's eye out, kicks another in the throat, which ends up killing him, and then basically leaves all the rest of them in a pile. Uh, At this time, the alarms in the prison start blaring and the guards come in, grab both Reacher and Hubble, completely confused as to why they're in gin pop, and take them back to the arraignment floor uh, and tell them, this is where you've been the whole time. So the biggest differences in this part of the book, uh, in the book, the Aryans strike first. Reacher does not give them uh, a chance and then jump the count that he's doing. Right. Uh, After Reacher handles them all, the other major gang in this prison, who are the Red Boys, which is the black gang, are the ones who come in and stop the fight and take credit for the fight. Um, Because, you know, five Aryans get beaten up by another white guy isn't as cool for them as if their gang beat up the other gang. Right. Spivey is also the one to remove Reacher and Hubble to the proper area of the prison. So in the book, he puts them where they're not supposed to be and then ends up rescuing them when they when Reacher kills the ones <laughs> who were set against them. Right. Sometimes plans don't work as you like. Right. Uh, as all this is happening, Finley is back at his office at his desk, spinning his wedding ring and pondering his next steps. Um, He picks up his cell phone and calls Sharon, his wife. 
he leaves her a voicemail explaining the issues he's having with the case, and then he just needs to hear her voice, and then he hangs up. After he hangs up, Roscoe comes in the office carrying the entirety of Reacher's service career uh, and uh, covers everything for Finley. Uh, she also chastises Finley for putting Reacher in jail. He makes her leave, uh, then closes all his blinds and reaches into his desk drawer for an envelope that says, don't do it. Inside, a pack of cigarettes. He doesn't. He tosses them back in. Now, this, this change I really like. Uh, in the book, he never considers going back to smoking. But as someone who quit smoking years ago, it absolutely is always in the back of your mind when you are stressed out. <sighs> Boy, yeah. I mean... I think even watching shows where somebody's stressed out and having a cigarette makes me want to have a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, it, and it doesn't leave. It doesn't matter how nope. long it's been since you smoked. And it doesn't matter how much you know you don't want to do it. When when you get too stressed out, it's, it's because that was a coping mechanism. Yeah. And for most people, probably what caused them to start smoking in the first place. Um, and then the other thing about the scene is talking to Sharon. Yeah. Um, this scene really humanizes Finley. And gives you empathy for his character. So, like, he's not just this hard-ass detective who's, you know, through Reacher in jail for no reason. He's actually really struggling with a lot of things and is really stressed out. So, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Having having been there for only six months, he's mm -hmm. the only black officer mm -hmm. in a tiny little town. So, yeah, he's got things that he's stressed about. So, <laughs> this is not surprising. Um. Anyway, uh, Reacher uh, at that point wakes up uh, on the bed of his new cell to music that Hubble's listening to. Uh, Hubble gives a little bit more insight into his background, to his role of what's been going on, but he's not sure he can completely trust Jack, so he tries not to give too much away. In the TV show, Reacher encourages Hubble to stay uh, to um, to stay quiet to to. Or, I'm sorry, in the book, Reacher never encourages Hubble to stay quiet like he does in the show. In in the show, he's basically saying, just don't say a thing. Don't don't say a word. Just keep your head down. Right. Yeah. And well, so <laughs> and, and it, well, it's, it's like because in his next scene, it's, you know, Reacher, is, Reacher and Hubble are, are leaving the prison. Right. Uh, and that's because, you know, Finley, <laughs> Finley's found out that uh, he got they got the tape. Uh, well, Roscoe got the tape of the of. Reacher getting onto the bus in Tampa at midnight, the night that everything was supposed to have happened. So it's obvious that he couldn't have been the one doing it. Uh, she also notices his injuries and explains what's happened. And he explains what's happened inside and that he doesn't intend to stay around to be involved in any more of this mess. Uh, so she, uh, because of all the inconvenience, <laughs> to, to put it lightly, that he's had to go through, she, uh, she offers to take him to dinner, but he needs to get some new clothes. So they go to the Salvation Army. <laughs> so he gets him some new, uh, new, new shirt and jeans, and then they drive back into town where she drops him off so that he can go check out the rest of the town while she finishes up work, and then he's going to meet her later for dinner. As he walks around the town, he's noticing how immaculate everything is. I mean, there's a... There's a uh, the gaze freshly painted gazebo. There is no Polished dust statues. on anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so he's just picking up on all these things. And one thing he also notices as he's walking around is this big black Ram pickup truck. Um, he keeps an eye on it and he keeps uh, as he's walking through town and he uh, comes across this barbershop that has blues music coming out of it. Now, Jack is big music fan, big blues music fan. And as he's already said, since he's been here, the reason he's come here is because of the blues guitarist, Blind Blake. So he's come in to see what's what. The barber, Mosley, is just about to have lunch, but allows Jack come in for a shave. Uh, so, And the other thing that we do know about barbershops, if anything, is that it's the place for town gossip, especially in a small town. And Mosley has it in abundance. He talks about the blues, Blind Blake, his sister singing with Blind Blake, uh, as well as the family who runs the town, the Kleiners. And as they're talking, the big black ram truck parks just on the other side of the street from the barbershop. Two guys get out of it. Mosley spots them, tells Reacher that the kid driving the truck is Kleiner Jr., also known as KJ, and the other one is his cousin, Dawson. Reacher goes out to talk to him. KJ is a very smarmy and privileged 20-something and says that he's just recently read something about char uh, about charges that were brought against a major Jack Reacher. Uh, charges about something that happened in a village just outside of Baghdad and that those charges somehow just disappeared. KJ tells him that they don't put up with that kind of stuff there and that he should watch his back. 
and then he gets in his truck and leaves. Reacher is left just a little bit bemused. Uh, now, Mrs. Kleiner is never shown or even mentioned in the TV show, but she's definitely a part of the book. The charges KJ brings up uh, against him aren't in the book either, although we suspect that it will come up later. Uh, for clarity's sake, we've only read the first five books in the series so far. There are 25 books as of today, <laughs> and so it may take a little while for us to catch just up. Just a just, bit. Just a bit. Uh, now, the other thing in this um, that is different from the books, and it's it's a slight change, but it's kind of enough to throw the rhythm off for me. In the book, there are two barbers, uh, one old black man and then an older black man. So a lot of the conversation between Mosley and Reacher in this scene was broken up between three people in the book. And to me, that flowed a lot better mm. because the two men were able to kind of play off each other with things that they knew that Reacher didn't know. Um, and you didn't have that in the TV show. Uh, but otherwise, the scene was pretty solid on the information that was conveyed. Right. Anyway, Reacher uh, from the barbershop heads back to the police station, uh, only to see Baker and Stevenson running to their cruisers and taking off in a hurry. Roscoe, inform the Roscoe. Roscoe informs Reacher that another body was found. And that Reacher... Uh, at that point, decides, well, it looks like dinner's canceled, so I'm going to make my turn time to leave. Just then, Finley comes out to ask Reacher what Hubble told them while they were in jail. Reacher tells him that Hubble said nothing to him. Finley, of course, doesn't believe him and threatens Reacher with another two to three weeks in Warburton unless he goes with him to the morgue right now. Reacher reluctantly complies. So, they get in the car, they head off to the morgue. The medical examiner is explaining exactly how they found the second body and the difference between it and the first body. He's listing the oddities also with the first body. Jack's ears start to perk up. He's very familiar with every bit of this information because he realizes it's his brother, Joe. Now in the book, uh, the, the medical examiner receives a fax while they are standing there and Reacher sees it. It's got Joe's name on it in the book. His face was gone. He was shot in the face, not nice and neat in his forehead like in the TV show. He was not ID'd by a scar. The, it was the fingerprints in the book. I like the way the TV story changed that because it feels a lot more authentic as to what would happen. Um, not that at the time, again, this book was written in 1997. Um, at the time, fax machines were still a thing. Uh, but I feel like it was... It was a little more, um, hey, that's my brother when in the show. Yeah. Because describing all of the injuries and talking about the cellulite or was it dermatitis or cellulitis on the fingertips and like all of these things made him realize it was his brother. It was whereas the in the dental book, work right, that, the dental work. And so whereas in the book, it was just, oh, there's his name. Shit. That's my brother. Yeah. Instead of having to come to the conclusion, he's just given it. Right. So yeah, he 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 hears all these things. He and then he gets to the point even where they pull him out of the drawer mm -hmm. and he sees the scar that he got when they were kids right. that he gave to him. So yeah, and from there, uh, Reacher is just he's crestfallen. Uh, he bolts out of the front of the office to the parking lot and is trailed immediately by Finley and Roscoe. Finley at this point begins peppering Jack with questions. Uh, Understandably, uh, Jack, however, is grieving and he's not having any of this. He fires back at Finley about his wife leaving him uh, because he's po he's pressing buttons on Jack that he doesn't like. And so Jack's pressing back. Uh, Roscoe finally has to break them up. She makes Reacher get into the car. She tells him that she wouldn't that he wouldn't beat up on somebody smaller than him because he's got kind eyes. And that gives him a little bit of pause. And finally, he relents and gets in the car. Yeah, the, the you've got kind eyes really throws Reacher off. And I could see that. That would that I would think that would uh that would probably do that to me as well. So Well, it's it's kind of honestly some a kind of a strategy that I used as a teacher when I would have a student who was really angry, you distract them with something that's so completely like different from what's happening that it snaps them out of that mood. Um it doesn't always work. It, un, it usually doesn't, actually. But in this, it was perfect because he was so, like, he. it's obvious that Reacher is already attracted to her. The right. way that he immediately said yes when she was like, oh, I was going to take you to dinner. Like, he was like, oh, crap, that, that gives me an excuse. Cool, yes, let's yeah. do this. Well, and so, not only that, I mean, at the, so this, and, and the very first time when they meet each other, 
she she's, yeah. she disarms him about come over here, sir. I'm not asking. I'm telling. Exactly. <laughs> and so that that kind of establishes that relationship right mm-hmm. off the bat, and it continues in just in that same vein. And uh, so from yeah, there they head off down the road together. Uh, Reacher is deep in thought, uh, and, and obviously still grieving, uh, saying that maybe his brother Joel Joe who to, is the one who told him about Blind Blake for a reason, so that maybe he would come there to help do something about it. And then finally, Finley asks, "Well, what would you do?" I guess I'll find everybody responsible. I kill every last one of them. And that's how this episode ends. So, yeah, yeah, that's a great. I mean, great, great first episode for I mean, a first episode. There's so much packed into it. I was is. really surprised, like just the fact that it was ten chapters of the book that went into this episode. There's so much information right. that was shoved into it, but not in any way does it feel rushed or pushed along or anything feels overlooked. Like it happens a lot when stories are moved along that fast. Right. And it's the, the, the way they handled everything. I mean, the things that they changed for time, the things that they changed to update, I think all helped in that, in that aspect. Mm-hmm. So I think it was great how they did that, how they were able to, keep everything the way that they did with the entire story still being essentially, I would say, you know, I would, would you probably say 95% is still spot on? I would say 90, but only because the changes that they made, like they, it's obvious that they wanted there to be a few surprises for people who liked the books. Yeah, Like there were a few things that, um, that were changed because of, you know, it's been 25 years. Yeah. But things like adding in, um, uh, what's, what's Hubble's wife's name? Charlie. Charlie. Adding in Charlie. Like she doesn't, she doesn't show up in any, well, she doesn't have any real presence in the book, I should say. True. But in the TV show, like they, they picked a, a face that we actually recognize. One of the few faces we would recognize on that show. Um, so that character was written for it and it actually provides so much more to it than than in the book like it makes hubble feel like he has a family instead of just saying that he does true um so yeah things like that where absolutely not in the book but fits so well uh just as as a book lover and someone who constantly rails against changes that are made (laughs) i was really happy with the changes that were made in this one yeah and i think uh, even i mean if you look at hubble paul he he's even more of a sympathetic character Mm -hmm. um yeah hubble in the book is not he's very much more too much about him yeah i mean he's he's yuppie in a like pretentious good old boy yeah but like pretentious good old boy yeah Yeah, um and in the uh in the tv show he's more kind of hapless nerd yeah agreed yeah yeah um and I had some I had some thoughts that I wanted to bring up to you using your 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 neurodivergent <laughs> goggles. I figured. Um, and you're not the only one that I've asked. I've I've reached out to our friend Awesome as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just kind of want your take as to the way Reacher deduces and the way he focuses and his his manners and mannerisms. What, what, how, how, how do you see him in, poten- in a potentially neurodivergent light? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to start off by saying I am not an expert in any way. Um, I have studied autism for a lot longer than I knew I was autistic. It was my special interest before I actually understood why it was so fascinating to me. Um, and there is a huge difference between what most people think of when they think of someone with autism and what a, an average person with autism shit. I don't even want to say with autism, an average autistic person, uh, out there, like the, the whole deductive skill thing, like that's, that's great. You, there are no details that are missed. Now I'm not that kind of brain. My brain is the um, ADHD autistic type, so I don't remember details a lot. I don't, um, I don't see the minutia. I'm a lot more with uh, see the forest, not just the tree. <laughs> yeah, um, which is why I'm actually trying to be more detail oriented in this and like really figuring out what they did different and why they might have done that. 
Um, but anyway, back to Reacher. Um, I think that the way that he notices everything and remembers things and puts it together is is very, very much not a neurotypical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say autistic um, because there is a huge, huge amount of space under the uh, neurodivergent umbrella these days, uh, despite yeah. some uh, gatekeepers trying to change that. Um, <clears throat> but like one of the things that I thought was really interesting just about uh, Reacher in general was he really thrived on the routine of being in the military. And when that routine was taken away from him, he had absolutely no idea what to do. And becoming a wanderer and just moving from place to place, while it seems like it would be antithetical antithetical to what an autistic person would need in terms of routine, autistic burnout can sometimes just throw you to the complete opposite wall and make the things that used to give you comfort um, hurtful and and hard to do. So the idea that he's because uh, in the books he complains about essentially being um, what's the word he was uh, he retired not at his in his first choice it was mm-hmm. not his idea um, it was cutbacks yeah. in the military so his routine was completely changed and all of a sudden he has to fend for himself and do for himself but he's never cared about the things that one would need to have that kind of life. So he's just like, well, I'm going to figure out what I like and I'm going to go and explore it and I'm going to learn about it. And I'm going to be perfectly honest. If I had money, (laughs) if I had like uh, what a pension from being in the military for 25 years or what was it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, 13 years, 13 years. Right. Right. I'm sorry. I was thinking of. Yeah. So he's got a pension. He's got money why not travel and see everything and learn new things and explore things like some Feed of us, some of us keep going to different colleges for 50 years. <laughs> and some of us are out in the world learning it that way. So um, while it's not necessarily a stereotypical representation of an autistic person, someone who is autistic can see that in it for sure. Um yeah. And that's why, because yeah. it does seem, and I, and I think that, you know, when we see characters like Reacher or, you know, anybody who's really good at what they do and they seem so singularly focused, you know, it does, it does make me ask that question. Right. Uh, and I know th- that he may not have been written in that way. I mean, I know that it rarely, I, rarely do you have a character who is written autistic, who is written authentically. Right. And, and the thing, and the story, I mean, the Lee child who wrote this, basically he, he was at a, a change in his life as well. Mm-hmm. At this time he was, he had been working, uh, for ITV. He's, he's a Brit. He was working for ITV and he'd been there for some time and he got laid off. Mm-hmm. Now he had, you know, been working on stories already, but this was a point in time where he decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and start writing that book that I always wanted to write. <laughs> and, and that's, and this is kind of in a way, uh, analogous to his own story. He is all, uh, Lee child is also six foot five. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, not, not built so, no. um, imposingly though. No. But uh, but it's still you know and the, the he got the name he got the name Reacher because of his wife uh, she you know because he's tall and she would have him go grab things and she <laughs> says if this if this uh, oh if I this, didn't know that one if if, if this uh, be, if being an author doesn't work it out you can always be a Reacher so and that's and that, <laughs> okay that's adorable I, yeah that's the kind of shit you and I would do so I, yeah it was so yeah his story is great and you know. Uh, Lee Child so far, I mean, in both, both movies and mm-hmm. at the, at, at the very end of this and not a huge spoiler, but it, cause it's been in the news. He all, he has, he's had cameos in all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he, it's, he's kind of like the, a new Stephen King, I guess in, yeah. a way, in, in that aspect. Yeah. It'll but, be like one of those where's Waldo's in every season where you try and figure out where, where he's going to pop up. Right. And yeah, the other thing is, you know, I saw another article uh, just recently, um, so where Lee Child, in very much the same vein as Stephen King, says, 
I, I just never believed in writer's block. Mm. So and that's why I, why there are 25, 26 novels out now or whatever it is. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's you know, he's he's found his passion. He's found the, the person he wants he's wanted to write for. Uh, now, at this point in time in his life, Lee has retired and has now turned over the writing to his younger brother, Andrew. So... And this is something that that came up, um, I think, in our pilot, but might have just been in conversation that we had. I'm really curious to once I get through all of the books, I'm really curious to see what changes when uh, when the authors change, Mm -hmm. because uh, we know that Lee Child does not like the character. Um, And in fact, would he goes so far as to say that he hates Jack Reacher and that's he wouldn't be able to write. Jack into the situations that he did if he didn't hate him. Right. So, like, I wonder if the, is it, was it his son or his brother? His brother. His brother. Over, yeah. So if his brother will have that same um, reaction to it, it or will, or is it something where his brother loves the character so much and that's why he's taking over the character, will that change anything about the tone of the stories? It's a good question. I, I'm 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 also anxious to to uh, to read that. Yeah. The other thing I'm very interested in as we go through this, and hopefully it will the the show will continue on for as many books as there are. I don't know if it will. <laughs> that would be amazing. I think what would be awesome also is you know there are two Tom Cruise movies right, out there yes. that were based off of two of the books. Um, yes, uh, one movie shot. number movie number one was one shot, one which shot. was book number nine, right? And movie number two, Never Go Back, was book eighteen, right? So at least, I mean, I w- if we get up to nine seasons, well, if if they do it in that order, I don't mm-hmm. know, because um, now f- for- in the books, it does he ages appropriately, like he he mm-hmm. grows with the books, and these stories like build on each other. So um, having uh, but I leaving know- out those stories might screw up future stories Could be. Uh, but i do know chronologically in 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 reacher timeline the books are not in order the, some of them are I right mean, some of them so, is telling backstory right because and... in fact i think i think i want to say book nine or eight well it's one, not nine one, okay. nine is one shot well, maybe it's eight so one one of the ones that's upcoming here soon mm-hmm. uh happens before this it's yes. like yeah so there so yeah. there there are there are a couple a few of those that are pre uh pre-killing floor, which is this book. So, so, um, there are a couple of things, uh, in Canon lore Mm -hmm. that I, I found really interesting on how they translated that from book to TV show, because in, in Canon Reacher is 61 years old. Um, obviously he's not 61 years old. This, this book is starting at the same place that the first book starts when Reacher is 37. Right. And he's six um, months out of the service, he's six months out of the service. And it's moving on from there. Uh, but the like, I, like we said, there are 25 books out there right now. So Reacher has aged um, at the point of time when One Shot and Never Go Back were made. Cruz was actually probably more realistic in the age range. True. So it that to me, because we know that he was a big fan of the books, yeah. to me, he was like, we need to pick one where I'm an appropriate age. Like he couldn't do book one, two, three, four, five, because it's all about the first couple of years after the military. Yeah. He had to do ones that were later on. That makes sense. Um, and, yeah. and, 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 and by the way, we, we are not denigrating Tom Cruise's version no, of Reacher at, at all. all. I mean, he They were actually he, probably some of my they, favorite Tom Cruise movies. They weren't bad at all. I mean, Tom Cruise <laughs> is as I as I like to say, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. Yes. Uh, and and no matter pretty much any movie that you see him in, he's Tom Cruise, except for maybe Far and Away. Uh, <laughs> which right. is in which case he's kind of sort of Irish Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes. But in any case, those movies were great. I enjoyed them. Now, my buddy Don from Podscure would disagree, but that's neither here nor there. The, I think the, I, I, I've enjoyed those movies a number of times. I, I've probably watched each of them three or four times uh, and would watch them again. I, now, what I'm very interested to see is if they get up to that point mm-hmm. to see how, if number one, will there be a difference? Um between the two uh, and how, what differences will there be? I would imagine there's got to be some differences. So the other thing I'm looking forward to is uh, right now is season two, since we, I mean, we've watched this a few times now, but (laughs) looking forward to season two and with what's gone on 
here in the States, Mm -hmm. uh, I think book two is going to be very interesting to see uh, if if they, if they do bring that because just because of the the story, there are so many things in book two that uh, 25 years later, we might, look at it and go, well, we did, you and I, yeah. we're like, oh, <laughs> that's going to change. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, uh, I, uh, so, yeah, it's not, it's not a perfect book series in no. any way, but I think that updating I, it is m- giving it a lot closer, getting it a lot closer to true. a really good product. Yeah. Especially, you know, and I will say I big props to the showrunner on, I want to say, Nick Santoro, I, I want to say I could be wrong on on that, on that name, and I'll have to look it up again, and I apologize. Uh, the guy who's running the show now, the way that they have updated, uh, especially Roscoe, has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Santoro. Nick Santoro. Okay, I knew I knew it was so, so close, <laughs> but uh, and and uh, Finley is even slightly different. Uh, he's more aggressive. Yeah, he's more aggressive, more confident. I think. Yes. a little bit. Yes, uh, not so relaxed. He's got he's got he's got a bit of an edge to him, and so and, and it's not bad. Malcolm Goodwin plays the job great. I loved him so in I Zombie oh as, a, as a detective there. Uh, so yeah, that's he, the other face that we we recognized was right. was Finley. Yeah. So great show. Uh, and so if you're watching along with it, uh, with us, I, I hope you're enjoying it as much as we are. Um, and I, uh, I, I, am interested in, uh, in hearing everybody else's takes, uh, from what we think, uh, is there uh, anything else that, that you, uh, that you wanted to bring? No, I'm just really excited to be doing this podcast slash kind of book club <laughs> with all of you. And um, I hope that uh, this is something y'all are into and like join us on our social medias and stuff, because I really want to hear other people's opinions about the things that we're talking about and what you like and don't like about the show or the books or the yeah. movies. Like we want yeah. we want it all. We want to get in there with you. And let's talk. Let's do it. We want to talk. Yeah, we definitely want to talk about it. And anything that you bring up to us uh, that you're comfortable with us bringing up on the show, we will. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let us know. We want to hear from you. So, all right, travelers, it's time to pack up and get ready for our next episode of Reacher Season 1, Episode 2, First Dance. I don't need 250 pounds of frontier justice tearing up this town. I can't talk right now. There's been another murder. Police Chief Morrison. For the record, I didn't do it. All right, folks, we really appreciate that you've chosen to spend your time with us and follow us around our favorite wanderer, Jack Reacher. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can hit us up on Twitter at twitter.com slash wandering type or on Instagram at instagram.com slash wandering type pod. You can also find us along with the rest of the other Podscure podcast network shows on www.podscure.com. We'll see you next time. Take care.